0: What's up, everybody? Hunter Homestek here, 247 Fighting Championships General Manager, with another episode of the Pittsburgh Combat Sports Podcast. This week's episode is episode 26 with local legend Ethan Hayes. Ethan is 3-1 in pro MMA and 3-0 in pro boxing. He's coming off a win inside the boxing ring, and he's kind of balancing between the two sports right now. So we dig into what his future is going to look like where his head's at, what he's focused on right now, where he thinks he's going. But we also discuss his entire journey to where he is today. And let me tell you, the guy wasn't always racking up W's. (laughs) We'll put it that way. Ethan, we had an awesome chat, man. I really, really enjoyed this one. Ethan's hilarious. He's got an awesome personality. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this one. And I also want to shout out, we get into some sheets talk. So if you guys are into food, there's a little sheet secret at the end of this one that you guys are going to have to catch and on the food note, I also want to emphasize at 247 Fighting Championships, our owner Ryan Middleton and I are doing a hidden gem series right now in Pittsburgh, and we want you to nominate your favorite hidden gem restaurant in the city of Pittsburgh. And we're going to go every week, every Friday, we're going to try a different hidden gem nominated by you and whoever nominates the best restaurant, the best hidden gem by the end of 2022 is going to win two free cage side tickets to our first show in 2023. So get those nominations in. We did Oak Hill Post already. The review is on our site, 247fighting.com. Today, after recording with Ethan Hayes, after the podcast, we're going to Rail Yard Tap Room in Bridgeville. So I'm really excited to check out Rail Yard. That was a nomination. We're going to go check that out. Next week we'll go somewhere else. Get those nominations in for a chance to win two free cage side tickets to our first show in 2023. For now, let's kick it over to this wild man, this maniac, Ethan Hayes.
1: Go crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't got to go crazy, but you can curse if you want a little bit here and there. You know, we try to be a little kid friendly at 247 Fighting, but at the same time, you're a professional fighter, man. It's gonna happen. I get it.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I'm not trying to give Bryce Mitchell on you right now from Arizona.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks. Although that, that got good exposure for the show and everything. So, I mean, it's not the end of the world in that case. But I never listened to him. And now I finally
1: listened
0: to that. one. just listen to Bryce do
1: that. He was insane. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. He was on one. That's for sure.
0: Do you remember the Bryce Mitchell story with the drill?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Unbe-
0: yeah. Unbelievable. So I'm not even going to spill the beans on that. But if, if you're listening and you don't know the Bryce Mitchell story with the drill, you got to do that. You got to get in on that. Just Google Bryce Mitchell drill. And I apologize in advance.
1: Yeah, yeah that's a that's a for sure I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I'm here with the man. Ethan Hayes. Ethan's taking a break from work for the podcast right now. That's how dedicated he is. So we appreciate you jumping on the show, Ethan, man.
1: Yeah, no problem. My boss is cool. He didn't care. I mean, they're pretty laid back. They don't give a crap.
0: That's awesome. That's that's the right kind of job. And as we were just saying, you know, before we got going live here, Ethan's side hustle. Pro MMA, pro boxing, dude's pretty okay at fighting too. Three and one, pro MMA, three and zero, pro boxing right now, man. It's been a been a long journey for you, dude, and I think you're healing up right now, right? What's your current status?
1: Uh, I tore my bicep in my boxing match back in November. I threw like a lazy left hook when I scoot back, and I don't have my weight on my front foot, which is a bad habit. And I like slapped, and I think that's how I did it. But I tore it. I tore my long head, whatever that is. And then I was kind of kicked for a little bit for the holidays and stuff. But I started training hard again. Well, I was training hard, so I was sitting in Connecticut last week. But I want to try to get back at it for the best part. Me and my girlfriend bought a house and stuff. Been busy with that, too. But, yeah, I'll be all right. I actually have, like, old balls where my boss up is Now it's different. It's, it's nice.
0: well it's good that the bicep tear could work out in your favor man that's crazy you talk about buying a house you mentioned going up to connecticut which was obviously to be in nick brown's corner for that big bellator fight it's a it's kind of a whirlwind man your life sounds kind of crazy right now how are you keeping up with training how are you kind of maintaining your fighting career side of things throughout all that uh
1: like one reason i like i did them boxing matches after the last A play because um John Ramirez, like, walked me down. and I was, like, scared to be on my feet. I didn't like that. I had to go to grappling. Like, I was tempted up there. I didn't like that. So, my boxing coach told me to, um, we need to get a boxing match. And so, then I boxed. And it's nice when I box because my gym's right in Morgantown. That's, like, a half hour from me. Compared to, like, when I do an MMA fight, I go to the factory every Sunday. And that's, like, a well over a two hour drive and then um I get a commas every Wednesday and spa so that's about like hour and a half, hour fifteen. It's a lot more traveling. When I do I have to get a uni town more and stuff. But that's why I did like them boxing matches too. And then I usually wake up early and go lift and run before work whenever I can finally get my butt out of bed. It just kinda of depends, man. Just kinda of depends. Not a lot of sleep.
0: No, man, but all you guys down there, all you Uniontown boys are, are doing it the right way. I mean, it's it's been awesome to watch that crew come up. And obviously, I like everything you're saying, all the cross training you do. It seems like that's becoming way more common nowadays. You know, you're, you just mentioned the Matt Factory, Pittsburgh Academy, going bouncing around everywhere, getting different looks from different people. And obviously, the entire community is kind of on the rise right now. You know, you're getting good looks everywhere you go. How has that kind of benefited your game and all this bouncing around how are you able to manage that
1: um i mean i feel like it's definitely made my game elevate to like higher you know what i mean like i've sparred with nick so much and nick in my opinion is like the best fighter around but i mean he has me down two size. i was getting my butt whipped the whole time i know what he's gonna do but i can't stop it but it's nice mixing up and going up to the factory and going to the academy. It's like I said, it's like Pittsburgh versus everybody. It's not mm-hmm. like probably sucks for like you guys because I'm not gonna fight anybody from the academy. You know what I mean? It's like oh, now we got full people out of town and stuff. But it's a lot more convenient. It's a lot, it's a lot like I said, more convenient for sure. Like my first pro fight, I fought a kickboxer guy. His name was like Keith something. And I just sparred with Kama a lot, you know what I mean? Kama just beats crap out of me every time. I was like, "Oh, now went in there and that guy wasn't too bad at all." I was like, "Well, this is a pretty crazy walk," and I took him down, submitted him. But yeah, it just got mixed up. Whatever type of fight I have, I usually favor a gym more than others. If I go against a real heavy grappler, I'll be at the factory more, I'd be at Nick more. If I have like a good striker, then I'll go and spar with Kama, and John, and them guys are, like staying on their feet.
0: For sure. I mean, it's really the mix right now, like you said, Pittsburgh MMA versus everybody. But the mix right now is super, super strong in the air to get those looks. And we got one of them right here. Julian Flannery popped into the live stream to say Ethan Hayes is a G. I mean, you're not not wrong, Julian, not wrong at all. So that's a, that's a Matt Factory guy right there who just got a 16 second knockout at our last show. Brawling the bird. Ten. he's now three and oh. All finishes. This that guy's an animal. If we're talking about G's, you got to throw, got to include yourself there too, Julian. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that boy—he swings from the hip. (laughs) He ain't got time for second (laughs) rounds.
0: He ain't got time for second rounds. That's that's so true, man. But it's it's crazy to watch the the sport growing right now and growing specifically in Pittsburgh. I think it's really cool to be a part of that, man. And you've been involved for so long. It's funny because you're still a young guy to me, and your career is still blossoming you know it seems like you're still on the rise for sure but you've been around for so long to witness kind of the peaks and valleys of pittsburgh mma what are you feeling as kind of that veteran that veteran presence that's still on the come up though how does it feel to you right now
1: oh uh, it feels good like whenever i was an amateur like i mean i like fangirl out whenever i like, go to a fight and i see like i wouldn't say anything to him i probably they i don't know so i see like call him out of fight, and i just put them guys on a past on like mark jericho and stuff like, never in a million years would I asked to train with them. Then, like, Nick would go up to stouts and stuff, and I started sparring like, Mike Wilkins a little bit. I'm like, shit, these guys are just normal guys, too. Like, it's not, like, we put these people up here, you know what I mean? Now, like, I try to be cool to, like, amateurs. Like, you know, like, even if, like, I've been not at a fight and I see, like, a guy in a higher combat league, I forget his name. He like, pulled out this awesome submission one time against this wrestler. I sent him a message because I was like, man, if I was a one and only um, amateur, and some guy sent me a message, like, not that I'm a big deal by any means, but you know what I mean? I think that'd be super cool. But yeah, it's uh, definitely awesome. It's definitely, I don't know, man. Like, I just feel like back then, like, I wouldn't have branched out here as much as I do now. Like, that's all becoming one big community or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, if, before my time, I don't think it was quite like that or whatever. I think you just kind of stayed with your own gym and fight across town and whatnot
0: that's one thing that yeah that's one thing that i definitely noticed as well was how it used to be a little more cutthroat i think than it is now i think everybody's kind of realizing that we get where we want to go if we all work together that it doesn't need to be this way to uh, as sappy and cliche as that sounds you know we're gonna all achieve our goals better if we're all in this together so it's cool whenever you see somebody like you know nick Mm -hmm. brown do what he did At Bellator, and then you see you see all these posts, and you see people finally recognizing what he's doing because that guy's been at it forever. You know, I talked about it with Josh Fremd on our podcast, but Nick Brown's kind of the guy that just seems like keeps flying under the radar. And how much longer can that guy possibly fly under the radar? I mean, it's crazy right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, Nick. I mean, he's been like the (laughs) big brother to me since I first joined the gym or whatever. Like, he's super quiet guy. Like when I first went to the gym, he never said nothing to me for like two months. And then I did a jiu-jitsu tournament with him. And I just remember, like, being in the locker room, and Josh actually fought that same night, for, like, gladiators or something. He's like, hey, man, you want to go some fights tonight? And I was like, yeah. And then after that was kind of been history. But, yeah, man, definitely, definitely Nick. Like, he's been around for a long time. He's fought everybody, like you said, underneath the radar. And, I mean, like, he's fought guys from Black House and beat them. Fought the guy last time was from TriStar. He beat them, um, Trey Ogden, which Nick, like, wasn't a favorite in that fight and it's funny because me josh and aj cornered i mean josh were in the back and josh came up because ethan everybody here thinks we're on the b side because only us four know we're the a side and nick submitted him like in a minute 15 or something it's just yeah nick i mean he's just quiet a guy like josh said man just quiet a guy likes likes dragon ball z likes doing what you get to and likes hanging out like about it. likes going to church and so that's Nick
0: Brown. That's, that's freaking perfect. awesome. Is there is there any guy who better? So first off, I guess I'll shout out Ryan Middleton, our <laughs> owner here. When you were you were calling, you were saying you weren't a big deal, Ethan. He chimed in, "You're a big deal, bro." So Ryan thinks you're a big deal. As long as Ryan does that, that's all you need.
1: No
0: doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to share real quick. Um, I have Nick Brown's latest finish in Bellator queued up here. We're going to throw it on the stream. This was from Bellator MMA's official Twitter account. If anybody missed the fight, it was against Mandel Nalo Um, up in Connecticut. Here's the finish. I mean the finish is awesome like the finish obviously is fun to watch but you lose the context of how that first round went when you just see the finish you know Nick Nick got stung in the first round and it looked like it was all Nalo's fight in the first round I mean everybody was thinking if there was live betting I'm sure all the money went to Nalo after that first round and it was it was everybody in Pittsburgh knew like if you don't if you don't put Nick Brown in a body bag and he's still there you're still in trouble <laughs>
1: Yeah he just stays in your face. And that was kind of like the game plan, anyways. I kind of take him down, wear him out. And Nick's pressure, I mean, it's unbearable. It's really annoying. And uh, Nick, like I say, he has kind of stayed to the plan. And he said, like, the first round, he's looping his punches real bad. And, like, you're not going to connect to a guy that long. That guy was long. Like, he probably wasn't as tall as me, but he just, like, his arms and stuff look longer than mine, even. And, like, Spartan, like call, call him a super long too, and Nick, you know, has success with him sometimes too, but you gotta throw straight. Nick's like, you know, I see when he come in, he just sit, and Nick just beat him to the punch on that one right hand. But yeah, that was he definitely wasn't the favorite in that one. They did a bunch of like interviews with Mandel and stuff, and Nick doesn't, he never gets the love he deserves, and they, I don't think he really gives a shit either, man. He just goes in, handles business, and then he goes home, and afterwards we give you donuts and that's about <sighs> it and like it's, not, it's nothing extravagant after like at all like he that's, just goes business and goes home
0: that's that's probably my favorite thing about nick brown is that it's almost a character at this point like you said jujitsu dragon ball z and church that's pretty much all he cares about like let's let's just stick to it stick to who i am you know there's so many guys in mma who think they have to invent a character. They have to be somebody they're not. But I think it works best when somebody just fully embraces who they are. And, and Nick Brown has done that from day one.
1: Yeah. Like I literally tell guys at the gym, I was telling my buddy Ruby about this earlier. And um, I remember one time we got done training. I was like, Nick, you want to take a picture? And he goes, no. And I said, why? He goes, I'm winning fights. Either. People know I'm training. And I just feel like that's like everybody like wants to picture. Not like, you got to promote yourself. But he's like, look at me straight. He goes, no, I don't want to take a picture. And I was like, yeah, man, me either. Like, yeah, that's
0: cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't that's want to what a, what a dynamic, though, you two have, man. What's it like having somebody like that in your in – not only in your corner training with you, but mentoring you on that side of the game, too, where, you know, like we said, you're still young in your career. He's doing the thing in Bellator right now. Got a huge future ahead still. What's it like having somebody to help you kind of with the business side of the game? Oh, it's good. You know what I mean? Like – I don't
1: know. Like I said, Nick's always been like the bigger brother to me in every which way. And like, he like kind of tells me this, like, take good fights, smart fights or whatever. And I told him I wanted to box and he was all about it. And I go up and he just um spar with me, just boxing and stuff and still miserable. Like, it's like not even so much like business. Nick will make you mentally stronger. Like, not even joking. He's made me cry in my driveway an hour away after I get done whooping my ass. Every one time he beat the shit out of me. I went home, I was sitting in my parents' driveway. I was just there, I'm like, why do I waste my time going up there? And then he like beats me up, he's like, Oh, good job, man. I'm like, No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was surviving. But yeah, so he's he's kind of a big brother to everybody, like me, Josh, Carly, and like the thing about Nick too, like I said, big brother. Say I go to another gym, say he's like a jujitsu gym, and say I just get mopped up by somebody, just gets my ass whooped. I like pay attention, he'll never admit it, but you pay attention like, a couple rounds later, he'll go get that person, and he'll just beat their ass the whole time, or whatever it might be. My buddy one time was a white belt, and this brown belt just mopped him up. he said as soon as they got done, Nick came over and asked, like, hey, man, you want to roll him? I was like, yeah, and then he said Nick just ragdolled him the whole time. I'm like, I'll never admit that, but something funny about Nick, after that fight, you see how he looks over and goes like this? That's something he's been doing lately. AJ noticed that, like, he'll get done one whole guess and just go like this, like, we're not surprised, but everybody else is surprised. But yeah, man, he's He's stunning. I mean, if you train with that guy, i tell you, he's the best overall, I mean, I've ever trained with.
0: It's crazy to hear you say that, and then that's the same exact thing Josh Fremd said when he was on the podcast. You know, Nick Brown truly is kind of the hidden gem, I think, of Pittsburgh MMA still to this day. Even after this win, I think he didn't get the credit he deserved. But I'm going to play the clip uh, real fast of his post-fight interview for anybody who missed it because that, that was good, too. That was golden.
1: Everybody here in attendance, Bellator, it's here, guys. They put Bellator, puts on the heck of a shell. i will thank my teammates, All-American, everybody in Pittsburgh, MMA, putting it on the map, and we're going to carry them all the way to the top. I mean, everybody here in attendance.
0: Oh, geez. Technology issues. Brings a tear to your eye, right? No, I
1: have, I have icy heart in my eye.
0: <laughs> i mean thanking his teammates thanking pitts putting pittsburgh mma on the map like you said just a humble guy it's it's awesome that you were a part i think of that camp and up there for that fight card what what was the energy you know in the arena and everything what was that whole experience like Oh, uh, like when he initially dropped him. like the commissioner was sent by me and aj and
1: like in kansas whenever he um he dropped um trey ogden with a straight right and trey ogden put, popped up and then um Nick submitted him like a couple seconds later. And me and Josh like stood up and we were hyped and this lady was like pulling us down. I remember Josh was like trying to get on the cage and this lady's like holding him and Josh hit her with the Heisman. He like pushed her, that push her, but like stiff armed her. And then she like stood in front of the cage so we couldn't get in there. But like he dropped him. I jumped up and this guy pulled me down. And he was super cool the whole time, the commissioner guy we had. And then um Nick ended up pounding him out. Then me and AJ stood up and I looked up to the stands to see if I saw anybody. Cause he probably had like 20, 25 people come up. I'd say roughly, probably like 15, 20, probably not 20, 25. I looked up, I saw his mom up there, and she had a shirt on. I could pick her out of the crowd. She was cheering, but the place did erupt. I mean, it's the most biggest fight card I've ever been to, biggest card period I've been to, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. yeah, it was wild. The place definitely definitely went up, and I was just like, damn, like it was a lot of energy. And then afterwards the commissioner's like, man, I wasn't mad you stood up because I thought you were going to jinx him because the ref didn't stop you yet. And I was like, oh, because the guy was wrestling up on a single leg until Nick he cut over to like He maybe could have survived because, you know what I mean, Then once Nick went to mountain Bell, bellied him down. It was – the only thing left was death
0: that's that's game over at that point, as so many fighters have discovered, so even though you know we talk how how humble he is, how grounded he is, and all that's very true. do you notice after a win like this, does he get a little little extra hype is he is he like where's he at with his career right now in your mind where what's next for him
1: uh, I mean, I'd like to see him just to, I, I forget how many fights he has a little contract finish out this contract and then go from there honestly like um, Nick doesn't keep up with fighters. He'll watch Kama fight, he'll watch John fight, he'll watch Josh fight. But other than that, man, like recall you watched the court this weekend, I'm like ah, I mean, you know, I might Catch. Like he doesn't keep up with people, like in my opinion, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't have a hit list like of who he wants to take out as far as I know. He might have somebody in mind. Like I'm sure he'd love to fight Vincent Henderson one day, somebody like that. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like I says, He said one time he's never been part of a promotion. He never got the title for. So I'm sure he has ideas or whatever. I'm sure he'd like to see a number next to his name after that too because it said, like, he wasn't supposed to win that fight. He just threw a wrench in their plan because they were promoting that guy pretty hard. Nick went in there and did what he did.
0: Yeah, he's been hyped for a long time. That was a name whenever that fight was announced. It was a fight that I think got people's attention who were in the know for sure. That's a big-name opponent, no doubt. So for him to do what he did to him, I mean, he's running out of options at this point. It felt like Josh Fremd, you know, in LFA you know, and everything. It's it's like you're running out of options at this point. It's got to be a huge fight next because that's all that's left.
1: Yeah, I saw – I was listening to big John McCarthy and Josh Thompson, and um John Thompson was talking to Adam Piccolotti, or whatever his name was. They saw him in the back or in the casino after the fight. He's like, hey, man, what do you want next? And then he's talking about, like, Sydney Outlaw because I guess he lost to him. And – um about uh, Benson Henderson and stuff, I'm pretty sure. And then he's like, then Josh Thompson's like, "What about Nick Brown?" He goes, "Who's Nick Brown?" And Josh Thompson goes, like, "Who's Adam Pickelotti?" He's like, "Who are you?" Nice. nice. I was like, I don't think he doesn't care either way. I've never heard him say no to a fight. Like he truly believes he's one of the best in the world. And I, was, I mean, I don't doesn't matter who they give him. Like I'm sure he'll fight him, and he probably won't, won't watch any film on him per usual. And he'll just be like one time he fought a guy from um strong style and won the pinnacle title. I said, what do you know about him, Nick? He goes, oh, he has tattoos. That's the only thing he told me. And I said, oh, okay, well, like, for sure.
0: That's, <laughs> that's all you all need to know.
1: know. Yeah, that's it, you know.
0: That's freaking hilarious. I mean, when you do what Nick Brown does, you, it's kind of true, though. Like, his style is his style. I've never seen him not fight like like that, like Nick Brown. Like, you know what you're getting with a Nick Brown fight. So, it's kind of funny that he has that kind of confidence in his skills. It's like, ah, really, really doesn't matter what the other guy is. It's about what I am, you know.
1: He's going to create chaos like fast. You know what I mean? Like, whenever he fought his first Bellator fight, I wasn't there for that. I had a wedding. And uh, had he, the guy had his back against the cage. And I saw Nick pushing his hips above that guy's. And I said, um, I started screaming. I was like, Well, the rapper, he's going to dive under. He's going to dive under. Sure enough, he inverted. And I was like, That's Kurt. It's like, Yeah, it's not something. I tried to do. I tried to heel hook into my last MMA fight. It wasn't a good idea. Like
0: it's not. It's harder than you think it is. <laughs> that's just what makes him so special, man. And it's it's really funny when you look at his career. That loss to John Gunther, the one loss on his resume, it it spoiled so much. I think of the star that he could have been in Pittsburgh MMA. Like we say about how he never gets the respect he deserves. I think that's a big reason why that that one loss for whatever reason people put a lot of weight on a loss. But man. There's just no shame in losing in this game. Like, I try to say that to every amateur fighter as well to hammer that into their brains. Like, you're going to take your lumps. It's no big deal when you lose one, especially when you lose to a guy like John Gunther, which he did, who was a great grappler at the time, super pressure based fighter. And that's a tough guy to match up against for so many pro fighters. So there's no shame in that. And then Fremd was saying how he had freaking food poisoning in that fight, which just took it to a new level. Yeah, for sure. I definitely, like I say, beat
1: um, uh, Devontae and stuff. Like, just walked him down. Devontae broke his orbital and stuff in the first minute of the fight. Like, that guy, he's he's a different breed, too. Like, he's just a little goober of a guy or whatever and has a little mustache and stuff. But, yeah, so there's that one L. And then, like I say, he didn't even really seem, like, upset. It was just, like, whatever. You know what I mean? He just – I don't know. He's an interesting cat. That's for sure. One time he took a boxing match on like 24 hour notice. This guy got a hold of me. He's like, hey, you know somebody weighs 170 pounds? I was like, yeah. Uh, they're like, well, he boxed. I'm like, who's the opponent? Like, I know how this works. And they told me, I'm like, well, let me message him. And I message Nick. I was like, hey, man, you want to box tomorrow? Because he has medicals and everything. He's like, yeah. And I said, well, oh, this guy says winnable fights. not like we're going for a check. He said, all right. And he didn't ask me his name. So I gave it to him. And then I went to the gym and he was rolling on the mats with somebody. I was like, hey, man, you want, you want to hit mitts or something? And he goes, yeah, we can do that. And I hit mitts with him, and then um, we sparred, like, lightly, like, six rounds, like, real, real light. So how you feel? He goes, I feel amazing. I'm like, all right, man. All let's right. Do it. And Good enough. He won, and he just beat the piss out of the guy for, like, four rounds. And the guy was, you know, like a B-side fighter anyway, but I was just like, I wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? Like, everybody says anytime, anywhere. Like, no. Not me. Like, I don't want to get the shit beat out of me. But it's literally at the time anywhere. Like, it's fine. But he's not going to – like, those people don't even know that story because it's just not a big deal to him.
0: Yeah. I mean, fighters fight is the big cliche in the industry. But so many times fighters don't fight. Like, that's one thing that you learn behind the scenes for sure. So it's funny to hear and unsurprising to hear that Nick Brown is that fighters fight guy. 24 hours notice boxing. Why not? Let's just do that.
1: Yeah, it's but, had a couple of jiu fights against, like, guys who, like, fought the stats, there's this really good brown belt, and it was in the Gi. And, like, we train Gi, like, every Monday, um, Dan White called me and wanted me to fight for the world title, and it was on a Monday. I'd be in my Gi. Monday's Gi day. And that's the only day we really trained Gi hard. And Nick, like, fought this, like, world champion guy in the Gi. And Nick lost, but I was like – once us try negotiating a little bit, man? I tell him no a little bit. He's like, nah, man, I'll do key. I'm like, all right, man, you're right.
0: <laughs> sure. Why not? Why not? I mean, it's all yeah. learning experience, right? Especially grappling. You know, that, yeah, there's sure. less risk involved there, I think. So, what's uh, Dude, I wanted to ask you, what's up with All-American right now that I see on Facebook that you guys had something with your roof? You guys had to shut down for a little bit? Yeah, our
1: roof was leaking like crazy. We this old mall, like, in, like, Connellsville, it's like i'm saying it's Connellsville, but right outside Uniontown, it's called the laurel mall and the roof is leaking like crazy and like that's another thing for this fight we literally had they told him nick like hey our roof's leaking." we always had like a little leak which was no big deal and then like ceiling tiles were falling down then like we told him then they just brought buckets down in big tubs so we'd be like wrestling and smart literally dodging tubs and buckets and stuff and there's we all over a cage. We actually moved out on Monday or whatever. The people called Nick on Saturday because Nick said our stuff will be out in two weeks. And the lady comes like, hey, your guys' stuff's still here. And Nick didn't answer. He's like, I got other stuff to worry about. But AJ and um Nick and uh I think Ruby got everything out this week. We're just kind of looking for a spot right now. We just had to, like, tough it out till Nick's fight. So, he had a place to train and whatnot. And he comes down to the dumpster and trains a little bit. It's my buddy's garage and whatnot. So, well, yeah, hopefully if anybody knows a spot in Uniontown, a couple thousand square feet, hit up your boy.
0: <laughs> there you go. See, you can you can be the new home of All American MMA Academy, breeding all these killers for Western PA combat sports scene. So you, you love to see that. It could be something special.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uniontown's a lot of tough people. I mean, for sure. I mean, it's about fifty minutes from where I live, which is way tougher in Uniontown, but whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> where do you live?
1: I live in a little town called Kingwood in Preston County, West Virginia. I live in Reedsville now, but I grew up in Kingwood, which is like 10 minutes down the road, like everywhere in West Virginia. It's just little towns.
0: Sure. Yeah, I never even heard of that. I actually lived in Uniontown. I went to WVU, first of all. I graduated from WVU. (laughs) I I lived in Uniontown for a little bit while I was in college and made that commute, and I never heard of Kingwood. So I've been around and like I've been to Southern West Virginia as well. My sister went to uh, med school down there in Lewisburg, West Virginia. But- you ever heard
1: of Blue Hole, like the bridge, everybody would go to WVU? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I grew up like 15 minutes from there, 10 okay. minutes. If, like if the road was smooth, it would be like a 10-minute drive. But, yeah, I go. that's the town I'm from right in that area.
0: Gotcha. That's awesome. So, did MMA bring you to Uniontown? Did it work? How did you end up with this squad? Well,
1: I actually went to a little boxing gym in um, Morgantown for a minute. And then I had a boxing match and Phil Rowe fights in the UFC wasn't his girlfriend went to WU. So he trained at Morgantown for the beginning of his career and he'd pop up Pittsburgh and Spark and them, But he yeah, like popped in my boxing gym and we sparred. Then afterwards he called me He's like, hey man, I just think you know you could probably do better than this. And I had a fight like in three weeks. So Phil came in and he worked with me like three or four times a week. And literally the only thing I threw was a one-three-two, and I'd step back two steps and sit on a two. And that whole entire boxing match, that's the only thing I did in one. Then afterwards, I went to Uniontown, and I popped in, and um, I was supposed to just box. And I went there, and Nick had a fight in a couple weeks, and uh AJ down in Morgantown. I just went there, and I watched him fight. And I went to uh, Jiu-Jitsu day, and I went to box, and uh Jake Just, my boy, he um, I was sitting there hitting a bag, and he kind of looks at me. He's just wild, man. He's like, hey, man, you want to keep hitting that dumbass bag or you want to do Jiu-Jitsu? And I was like, oh, man, I guess I'll try. I'm just terrified. I'm like, I'll do Jiu-Jitsu. And my dog, um, Carly J. Thomas, she was, like, 15 at the time. And afterwards, I knew Carly because we boxed at the same gym a couple times, like, before I went up there. And she's like, hey, Ethan, you want to roll? I was like, yeah. And she rag me. Like, I was a grown man. I thought I was tough. And Carly was like, oh, my back. She like, choked me. I'm like, oh, that ain't going to happen again. And then Carly, like, arm drags me and takes my back again and chokes her. I'm like – this is this girl's dad drops her off. Like this cannot not happen to me. <laughs> I was, I started going to get to it. But yeah, Carly was like the first one that really humbled me in life hard. I mean, I was like, I'm not tough at all or whatever, but then I just started going up there and I worked in cheap lake. So I get off work and I just drive right up after work. And, um, I'd always be sleeping in my truck and Nick would wake me up or AJ. And, uh, Nick told me he's going to get a sticker from my truck. One time says, don't narcan me. Cause I'd be in there just passed out all the time in a parking lot, just ran a parking lot, sleep. And, I just go up after work and whatnot, but I still bounce from there, and I go to a boxing gym in Morgantown now called Jim's Gym, which is my boxing gym and stuff. And i still still popping gyms in Morgantown at so Ground Zero and stuff too. They're good to training and whatnot. I'm always getting good work jiu jujitsu, stand up, and shit.
0: That's awesome. That's why I was. I was going to ask if you were working at Ground Zero at all because that was the place yeah. when I was in college that most of the guys were training out of. That was well known in the area. Yeah. They, they were doing good things. Good people there, man. I definitely miss those guys. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Collin goes there, my buddy Denzel and stuff. They fight, like, downstate a little bit. But, yeah, Colin, I mean, like, they beat my ass in jiu-jitsu so bad. And I'll show things with some stand-up and stuff and wrestling. I've been going up there and giving them rounds because they're fighting downstate some and whatnot. And we've been shut down, so I was popping and whatnot. But, yeah, they've they've always been good to me down there and whatnot. There's a couple other jiu-jitsu gyms in Morgantown, too, but I don't know them guys as well. But they seem like good people, too.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting you you tell the Carly Joe Thomas story. It's funny how humbling jujitsu is for literally everybody. Like no matter how bad you how badass you think you are, your first day rolling is a bad time. Nobody enjoys that.
1: It was an awful time. Like I said, like I thought I was tough. I'm like, man, I can hold my own and then like literally she ragged on me and then like probably like uh, then I decided to do MMA and like Probably, like, two or three weeks later, you know, my kicks are atrocious still to this day. I'm not a kicker. They're awful. And at the time, they were even worse. And Nick had got stitches. I had that fight. Well, me and my buddy Todd at the time, we're going to We're going to spar. I had no wrestling. It's even worse than it is now. And uh, (laughs) and Nick popped in. It was just me and Todd and Nick there. Nick's like, oh, you guys going to do rounds? I'm like, yeah. It was just 45 minutes of Nick taking me down and taking me down and taking me down and taking me down and taking me down. I was like, "This, uh, this is an awful sport.
0: There's something to there's something to sticking with it though, which you've obviously done and, and figured it out in the process. Why, like, what's wrong with you? I guess is my question. Why would you keep putting yourself through that? What about it was so appealing?
1: I don't even know, man. Like, I wasn't in a lot of fights growing up. Like, I was the youngest cousin on my side. You know what I mean? My brother used to beat the shit out of me, like. Not all the time, but there was times he really beat me up. And then, like, my cousins would always harass me other than my cousin Justin. He's the only one that ever took up for me on the hayside. But, nice. um, yeah, I don't know. I just kept showing up. And that the reason I ever started training anyway because I just had free time. I was like, I'll just start – I'll start boxing. And then I'll just – didn't have shit else to do. And I just kept going. I mean, I got nothing else to do. It's not like people like to say I've been fighting my whole life. Like no, you haven't. Like you haven't. <laughs> it's like you didn't fight your whole life. Like whatever. I got one fight high school and got this shit kicked out of me. Like you guys are faking. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Like not everybody's hard. Not everybody's. They're Bobby Green. Like not, not <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You know what I mean.
0: Right. Dude, that's the. I got to clip that whenever this podcast comes out officially, when we start posting the little clips. You grew up in the suburbs. You ain't been fighting your whole life. That's the quote. That's beautiful. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I yeah, like I grew up like it wasn't like my area is not rough, you know what I mean? My family was great. I mean, my cousins beat me up and I like said so got a couple fights in middle school and high school. I got ragged on on the side of the main road by his boy named Cody Wolf. I fell in a ditch and he was just hitting me in the face. And I'm like, Can somebody get this man off of me? His mom brought him to the fight at like eleven o'clock on a Saturday night. Like No, you're not you're not hard people. You're not oh, hard.
0: That's hilarious. And it's funny to just even tie it back. Like, the most badass dudes in the game are, like, they're not necessarily, like you said, Bobby Green, they're not coming from hard backgrounds. Like, Nick Brown, you just said, Dragon Ball Z Jiu-Jitsu, it's church. It's kind of all he cares about. He's not out there being some tough, tough dude in everyday life because he doesn't need to be. He is where, when it matters.
1: No doubt. That's what I mean, even then, I was in a thing this past summer. These guys, like, jumped one of our buddies – I went down there and I tried breaking it up, and some guy punched me in the face, and I didn't see who it was. So I tried taking this guy down. He was so big I couldn't get my arms around him or whatever. There was like five guys, and I got punched a couple times. Like the thing dispersed, and then afterwards, uh, people were like, "Why didn't you go beat somebody up?" I'm like, "I ain't freaking Chuck Norris. It's not like curtains." Curtains. Curtains." (laughs) No, no, I'm not getting beat up. I just wanted him out of there. That's all.
0: Yeah, that's not how it works in real. Like the movies give people a false sense of how tough they are for sure how many times i mean i'm sure you hear it all the time but you watch fights with somebody who doesn't train has never fought and they're like oh why isn't he just getting up or oh man why is he letting him do that you know it's like dude you have literally no idea how this works yeah my buddy ryan who better
1: one we're good friends every time we get to drinking or whatever he's second place out of all my friends because okay like, let's wrestle and i'll just on him but he's the only one that challenges me or whatever we have a great time where Raj just plays around and then he knows but he's just picking on me or whatever he'll just be a little soft up, like you want to wrestle him like yes i do and then i take him down show him one time i had his arm and like oh don't break him i'm "I'm not gonna break his arm
0: (laughs) yeah like you're just you're just gonna break your friend's arm in a friendly wrestling match yeah for sure
1: yeah in the the front yard with their shirts off at two o'clock like (laughs) It's the way we get typical. down.
0: That's typical, man. That's what I expect from that area for sure.
1: <laughs> no doubt. 100%. I remember wrestling outside of our high school one time, me and my buddy Sam. And we knew nothing about wrestling or jiu-jitsu. And I was in his closed guard. Like, we didn't know what we were doing. And I picked him up. And Sam, like, opened up his like and I slammed the piss out of him. I'm like, why would you do that? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, we <laughs> had no idea. And, like, in high school, we literally fought at my buddy's farm one time. We bought MMA gloves at Dick's. Well, they bought them because I was always broke. They bought MMA gloves at Dick's and headgear, and we went out to our buddy Craig's farm. And I literally fought all my friends who were way bigger and smaller than me. I didn't win one fight. They all just beat the shit out of me, and it was it was a good time. Like whatever.
0: That's that's the seasoning. But now we see, like, we can put your name and your record on the screen. Look how things have changed, Ethan. Look at you now.
1: I know. Look at me Just out there. <laughs> now I just get now I can beat them up, and I get beat up when they're not around by other people.
0: It's perfect. There's always a bigger fish, right?
1: No doubt. It's a big pond, too.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. So, I mean, it, it kind of begs the question, though, like we we established earlier in the podcast, you know, you're coming off injury, you're kind of healing up right now. But where do you see your career heading? What, what are your goals at this point? Because you are split between pro MMA, pro boxing right now. Do you kind of lean to one sport or the other? You just going to take opportunities as they come? Where's your head at?
1: Uh, kind of like you said, opportunities where they come, like boxing is never the goal or whatever. And then, um, Michael McSorley had a show in Pittsburgh. I mean, he had a um, guy used to fight MMA named Dion Goodlow, And, um, I was like, that's a good even fight. Me and my coach took that like, so I like could train for that. Like any opportunity like that, I will take, cause I didn't plan to do nothing rest of the year from working on the house, but I can still get my training in for that. But honestly, like realistic goals, I'd like to win a professional belt in MMA and boxing. Like, People like other people like OGs and the Pittsburgh high airs like Justin, Steve, and um Joey Holt. Like them guys had great boxing careers and great MMA careers, and like I kind of want to do that. Like, like what's up, Jake Paul? Like, you'll definitely KO me, but you mean you get down 147 pounds? Like I don't have to stand in the pocket with the best of them, but yeah, like I'm not trying to like fighting in a world title in boxing, that's a that's a ruthless sport right there. You get a guy that's good boxing and sits on his punches, that's, that's brain damage right now. But like I said, I'd like to realistically win goals, but realistically, you know, UFC title, what's up? What's up, Justin? <laughs> like, but but have like realistic goals. And like I said, I was just turning 30, and uh, just depending where life takes me, I mean, I'll fight until I can't do more physically or whatever. And uh, if I start biking again, like KO'd all the time or something like that you know like call quits but I was planning on doing jiu-jitsu forever and opened up my own little MMA school back in Preston County It's about it man like
0: those are great no man those are killer goals I love that and I love also that you shouted out Joey Holt and Justin Steve those two guys are animals back in the day and I love hearing from them is Joey still fighting do you know I'm pretty sure Justin isn't is Joey I have no idea. I've never actually like, met
1: Joey like personally or whatever, but he was like a guy like whenever I started like doing boxing, MMA because I did it through my amateur career too. I actually, won the first rough and rowdy for um, Barstool Sports.
0: Nice.
1: And, um, Josh from one time won rough and rowdy when it was a kickboxing tournament too.
0: But nice.
1: Yeah, like I did that and um, uh, whatnot. But, yeah, I was like, man, I can bounce around like these guys because I fought one time a boxing match and Justin Steve was the main event. And I was like, man, I forgot this guy boxes or whatever. And so, Steve, I mean, he was quick. I mean, he's a good boxer. And I said, calm would get, get him boxing rounds and stuff. And Kama's another guy. I mean, I definitely he could, like, start boxing and probably, like, do extremely well because Calma beats my ass in that still or whatever. And it's weird <laughs> smart, like, getting many guys in boxing, like, even, like, John Day is serious because, like, he'll throw, like, a hard jab and he'll, like, cut the angle. Normally, like, I'm expecting a head kick or a body kick. I'll be like, I put my hands here. they like, Gary, right, catch it, and it will punch me. I'm like, well, that's different. Like, it's mm-hmm. just a different world. But, yeah, So yeah, I just like, I don't know if Jimmy's still fighting or not. I don't know if Justin moves either. Honestly, like I said, I never really trained with them guys. Just see him through the way a little bit.
0: Yeah. See, Ryan got us covered. That's why they – Pay him the big bucks. He said Joey hasn't fought in years, and I'm, I just pulled up his tapology. He hasn't fought since 2019. So same time Justin Steve quit, oddly enough, they both last fought in 2019. So that is it, – it appears to be the end of that era. But they were beasts, man. I remember Justin Steve and Joey both fought in West Virginia when I was at WVU, and I was covering fights at the time for the school's newspaper, the Daily Athenaeum, and both those guys were guys that I covered back then. Some of the first – live fights i ever saw so they both definitely hold a special place in my heart <laughs>
1: yeah for sure that's um like even then like that area it was like them stansbury um that yep. broken music fights up out of that area nah, yep. now yeah that's a tough area it's like me aj nick were talking about them guys this past weekend or whatever it was just like man, them guys up there were super tough
0: Dude, Stansberry was a beast. I was so happy when he finally got on the Ultimate Fighter and got his name out there a little more because that dude was, he was an animal locally. He You, you didn't want to fight that guy.
1: I was at a wrestling tournament a couple years ago up in Wheeling and my my high school team was wrestling. My buddy coaches, whatever, I went up and watched. and I was sitting there there watching his hometown um, East Liverpool and I was like looking at the coaches. I'm like, I knew that guy from somewhere. I knew that guy from somewhere and it was him. And I was just like, Damn, just like that. Like, people think they're tough, you guys, guys, like, Stanberry very a UFC. Like, my buddies will go out, and they think I'm tough. And one time we went out to this outdoor bar, and pressed, not Preston, but Cheat Lake, and I looked over across the bar, and this was, like, two summers ago. No, other than Chris Dempsey standing right there. I'm like, see that guy that has on the UFC sandals? He didn't him in the cage. He got him in the UFC. I'm like, that yeah. guy's
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's cool, man. It's really cool to watch these guys achieve those goals and obviously there's a lot of guys doing it right now and and that community's growing like we said towards the beginning of this podcast man it's really cool to be a part of it those guys are going to keep coming you know it feels like this this area is just producing killers right now every day you know when i was talking to jake lowry on the last podcast it was like every day it seems like there's a new guy at the Matt factory who's just this stud that's now this new up-and-coming stud that you got to keep your eyes on and that's just the snowball effect that's happening right now, man, it's sweet. And I'm sure it feels good for you to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, man, for sure. I so, said, that's like he said, there's always somebody New Like I'll get like the stouts on a Saturday and I'll get somebody and they'll be piecing me up. am like, who the hell is this kid? Like, it's like one thing too I noticed about like, coming up through amateurs. Like, I got name off amateurs I've trained with. And then they like, life takes people in different directions, you know what I mean? But I'm like, mm-hmm. man, these people stick to these kick shit out of me. But then they just stop. Like, the juice is worth the squeeze. Just keep going. Like, it'll be fine. It'll It'll be just fine.
0: It's a grind, man. But it's it's coming up right now, it feels like. And I just wanted to, like we said, we know you're at work, so I'm not going to keep you too much longer. But I have to ask about this. I've been saving it for the very end because you tweeted something this morning that is an absolute game changer that more people need to know about. And that is putting peanut butter in your coffee at Sheets. Go ahead. I'll let you take the floor on this.
1: Go up there, go to hot drinks, get the mocha, and then you can get, like, peanut butter, banana, and get just banana, and get peanut butter, and then I just hit the peanut butter, and you can get vanilla, and all kinds of stuff, and the guy I work with, Rocco, like, people say they love peanut butter. Rocco eats, like, five jars a week, like, just nonstop eating peanut butter. It's kind of gross, so I've been eating a lot of peanut butter, and I just get peanut butter in my coffee, put some whipped cream on it. My man, Andy Anderson, is supposed to try it out, but... It's good. It's good every single time. And I mean, it's not Starbucks, but hey, you know, baller on a budget.
0: Dude, you you call it it's not Starbucks and thank thankfully it isn't because it's a totally different experience. Like if you want Starbucks, go to Starbucks, but I'll do you so I'm going to have to try your version because I've never done it that way. But my buddy in college, actually my roommate at WVU freshman year ended up being one of my best friends ever to this day and he used to go to Sheets, get the iced latte add peanut butter frozen sorry not iced frozen where it's like a slushy almost like yeah. slushy coffee add peanut butter to that add an extra espresso shot dude it is legit i still get that now and then when i just need that it's a treat it's a real delicacy man the good people need to know about that
1: yeah i mean i just never thought anything of it one day like i we were on the road for work and i was like this company's my own peanut butter thing it sucks i'll throw it out the window. It was good. I've it's awesome. It, like that. it makes sense, man. It's good cleanse too. It's
0: Dude, you right it up. really does. And I don't know. I don't know how Sheets does it though, because I've tried recreating it at home and it's never the same. Like putting peanut butter in your coffee at home doesn't work. But whatever yeah. kind of peanut butter they're using, I don't know. It could even be a peanut butter powder. I don't know. But it just works so well and tastes so good, man. Yeah, Sheets. That's a that's a staple. That's a staple in every community. <laughs> yeah exactly shout out sheets you got to sponsor ethan for his next fight guys get get that yeah. Sheets money
1: <laughs> yeah no doubt. for sure i gave them enough over the years at three in the morning from exactly. dang sure
0: that's all you could do man where i grew up in that's south cool. central pa is a little town called mcconnellsburg in fulton county and sheets was one of two places to eat literally like maybe three or four if we're getting you know the periphery yeah. but you, you basically had mcdonald's and sheets in terms of national chains that were there so i know the sheets menu really really well your boys explored yeah. that
1: <laughs> yeah for sure it's like coming home from like morgantown whenever me and my friends used to go out and i like, guess the last like was like sheets, And sheets go in there I'd like where's the mozzarella sticks at? just give me some all more day sticks. all
0: Still day those sticks oh dude when the fried mo- when the fried mac and cheese came out that was the game changer for me i was like yeah. oh, oh, oh i'm done i'm done Skin, I always eat
1: clean and 100% to my diet. Um,
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. This show's definitely sponsored by Athletic Greens and everybody that Joe Rogan's sponsored by. It's yeah. like, up.
1: Clearly- it, yeah. take yeah. Taking my brush mushrooms from my brain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, we're on the same path with sheets, mozzarella sticks, and peanut butter in our coffee. Game changing. Best life. but yeah dude I uh I appreciate the time immensely man it's nice to finally catch up with you and and get an update you know on your career you know selfishly we're excited to see you get back in that cage and and we hope it's for us and we can get you back in there man that you're you're a great fighter and as much as you joke around and everything and talk about how people are always whooping your ass like you got a really promising career man and we're we're honored to be a small part of it and thanks for coming on the show dude and, and keep doing your thing we'll definitely be in touch
1: yeah, thanks, man. It's the first thing I've ever been on. First interview, man. You're the first. Wow, that's crazy. Oh, Told you, not a big deal. Nobody loves West Virginia,
0: well, except people who
1: went to WVU.
0: See, see, you got we we're allies now, man. This is how this works. Same team. No doubt. <laughs> All right, brother. We'll get back to work before you get fired. I appreciate you doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we <we're> did, <laughs> man. Yep. Yeah, later, brother. Later.